Well, hello and welcome to episode number 405 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's packed show, Nev's favourite airline, BA, suffers another IT failure. Southern Airways Express acquires an Air Choice One, and it's a very special birthday for a very special part of our UK aviation heritage. And also, a BA pilot is jailed for lying about a certain CV. All that to come on this week's show, including some military news this week. And this week in the military, the Air Force's latest budget proposal indicates some changes afoot. A U.S. Navy Hawkeye goes down off the coast of Virginia and some military assets are repositioned to mainland Europe after a Norwegian military exercise. So joining me this week across the... A village not stressed out one little <laughs> bit. It is, of course, the IT legend who, let's be honest, this morning put on a fantastic show for our local <laughs> radio station with his technical knowledge. It is, of course, Matt Smith. It was a bit of a challenge, wasn't it? It was just a bit of a, bit of a mad rush to the end there. I, I, I feel I now owe, owe, owe our producer some, like, you know, chocolate or something for being grumpy. <laughs> Never mind. No, seriously, I, I have to say, talking about uh, our other project at the radio yeah. station, you've done a very good job today with that broad, outside broadcast, Matt. I mean, it's only in the UK would it be snowing one minute, uh, sunny the next. Uh, then, I mean, it's like, it was like doing an outside broadcast in Ireland, I'll be honest. Uh, four seasons in one day. <laughs> yeah, I must admit, whilst I was listening to you, it was sunny one moment, yep. burning my skin off yeah, yeah, whilst driving. Yeah. Then it was then it was like pea-sized hail. Yes, yes. Then it was sleet. Yes. Then it was snow. Yep. Then it was wind. Yes, yes. But that, enough, about you, uh, enough about what you get up to in the cab. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, lovely to uh, to have you uh, doing all the right uh, things in the studio this week, as always, man. And also joining us this week is... Laura, Laura uh, Davies says, sounds like Michigan to be Sounds fair. like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so only true. five degrees outside yeah, yeah, now. Absolutely. Um, joining us from across the seas and the, and the rivers and the lakes, many millions of miles away from us all here in the UK, is, of course, the legend that is Armando. Oh, hey, Carlos. I thought you were actually talking about our special guest for today, but I guess he's not that far, is he? <laughs> no, no, no. But how, how are things with you, Armando? Great. Here we are moving houses. So um, what you can't see is that the regular studio has been just uh, reduced to just a, a coffee table, a, a portable <laughs> laptop and two beers. Wow. Two empty, okay. two empty beer cans. Empty beer cans. Oh, that's no good. Yeah. <laughs> Are you at that stage in, in the movements or move stage, Armando, where you're you're sleeping on, you know, bl- uh, black blankets and sleeping bags, and there's there's no there's no kettle, there's no forks, there's no plates. You're literally Cor- having to correct. But yeah. uh, as our special guest, who we're going to meet here in a second, um, knows. When you have a seven-year-old, you can turn anything into just, hey, we're camping for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. What a special yeah. event. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that works brilliantly. I'm sure she's completely <laughs> fooled by that, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, thanks for joining us as always, Armando. But this week we are missing uh, one member of the team, unfortunately. Uh, Mr. Bounds, Nev, is uh, uh, not with us this evening. He's uh, too busy sunning himself in Barbados uh, today, so he won't be with us on the show. But uh, I thought it was in Dundee. What are you? <laughs> he oh, is it Dundee? You can't compare, or somewhere like that. I mean, oh, I, th- I thought Nev was in Barbados. Definitely oh, well. Scotland. So I, I, okay. sunning himself, I'm pretty confident, is not the case. Wow. <laughs> Goodness, I should imagine it's a bit like the weather we've had here today. I'll... Yeah, I think Nev has definitely left his budgie smugglers at home for oh, this trip. Oh, Carlos. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly wow. on to I've, I've our got an guest. image now. I know, sorry, the chat room's going wild. Yeah. Um, to our guest this week, and uh, because of a certain story that happened this week uh, yes. regarding a certain uh, type of aircraft, we managed to... Well, it's literally broken the budget. We've managed to uh, send him a check again this week, and we've dragged him back from the A320 podcast. It's Matt. I promise it won't bounce this time, Matt, by the way. Uh, The check, I mean. Excellent. (laughs) Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for having us on again. Always a pleasure. So, yeah, Uh, very honoured to be uh, called up. Absolutely. Twice, twice, yeah, I honestly, know, in one month. Yes. That's amazing. Yes, well, actually, I- no, we're in, we're in April now, aren't we? It's yeah. April Fool's Day it, oh, today. Dear. Oh dear. Yeah, I, I didn't find it very funny. If, <laughs> I didn't very find it, find it very funny in the pouring snow and the goodness knows what else. But uh, yeah, Matt's just here to help us with a couple of stories. Uh, as Zick, he, he is, yeah. he's going out for dinner. Where are you going anywhere nice? Um, just uh, a local Thai restaurant. Oh uh, yes, then the yes, yeah. then is the short is the yeah, answer yeah. to that. Anyway, if we don't get on with it, we <laughs> we won't. Uh, yes, we, we won't so we're going to say a quick hello to everyone in the chat room who's joined us this evening. All the usual family members and many more in there this week. We've got Richard Adams, Neil Lanwell, Mazus Kareem is in there as well. Dirk S. Uh, Laura Davis has joined us as well again this week. Hello to you, Laura. Masha's in there. Tony S. Jonathan Warner, our resident military photographer extraordinaire. Uh, John Jester, Flyer 152. Arnie Carlson is also in there. Evan Shue. Evan, whatever time is it where you are? It must be like one in the morning. Uh, we've got uh, John's in there. Jenny Parkinson over in Rome. Hope things are warmer where you are, Jenny, because it's not very warm here. Uh, who else we got? And oh, Matt Smith is in the chat room. Always I've good heard to of have him. Matt yeah. Smith in the chat room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's very famous, I'll have you know, especially on social media. Anyway. That's all right. I, uh, people are being rude in the chat room. I'm, I'm just complaining. That's essentially what's happening. Uh, <laughs> so don't forget, if you are listening to us as an audio podcast and you want to join us uh, on the live YouTube stream, don't forget to check out our YouTube page. Just search Plain Talking UK on YouTube. And also don't forget to click that subscribe and bell icon, which is right next door to be notified when we are live and broadcasting shows as we are now. Uh, Evan Chu says it's dark 100 here. Uh, <laughs> yes. And I bet, it, I bet it's not 5.8 degrees Celsius where Evan is either. Probably not. Anyway, yeah. so <laughs> we've got loads of news to get through this week, including our caption this and military news as well. So if all the team and guests is ready. Yes. <laughs> ready. Oh, so there we go. Yeah, he's, Matt's clearing his throat and everything. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
So this week's first news story, and <laughs> it's uh, April Fool's, as we all know. April Fool's Day can be like Marmite. Many either love it or hate it. Simple Flying is collating the best April Fool's pranks as we find them uh, in case you're fond of the silly season but don't have time to search for them. And anyone who follows me on social media, on Facebook especially, will know that I've been all around the world today. Anyway, so Emirates is adding a new I, level I'm, to your I'm favorite sorry, what? food. Emirates. <laughs> is it, have we, what? <laughs> Emirates, Emirates. Not to be confused with Emirates, is adding oh, a new level. Oh, I thought of... you were just having a moment. I, I, I no, thought we needed that, to call well, that's every day. Right, okay. <laughs> They're adding a new level of your favourite food delivery service with its new delivery service, Emirates, an anagram of the airline's name. Using the Emirates app, users can order a selection of cuisine from around the world. Uh, the catch is that the chefs won't make it in a local restaurant. Instead, a cabin crew member will pick up the food from its home nation, pizza from Italy, or, for example, uh, using the airline's network of connecting flights, it will then be rushed to the consumer, though it may be a little bit cold by the time it arrives. Hmm. I mean, it sounds like a lovely idea. I, I could say we've, we've got a video to play. Uh, for the, It sounds like a lovely idea. I suspect this might be very, very expensive pizza, uh, if, I, if I'm being honest. Uh, should we take a look at the, uh, the April Fool's ad, shall we? Here we go. Still craving that unforgettable meal you had on holiday? Introducing Emirates. You could enjoy authentic cuisine from anywhere in the world without stepping foot on a plane. Oh, mamma mia! Che ordine è arrivato! Sound too good to be true? Not anymore. Authentic global cuisine brought straight to your door by Emirates. Emirates, delivering soon. Maybe. How is it? A little cold. Now, yes. I, and now, for me personally, I, I think I, I don't know. I think uh, we were having a little chat off air, weren't we, before we started? And I, I do genuinely think there are people in this world who would pay for that. Uh, I, I mean, if I if money wasn't an object for me, and, and I don't, would, you know. and don't forget, Jesse chokes on his beer. And don't forget, who who doesn't love uh, a reheated pizza or cold pizza? In the morning. I mean, I prefer a cold pizza in the morning. Absolutely, hundred mm. yeah. percent. Yeah, def- def- definitely on board with that one. But uh, yeah, so we've got another one here. Lyft, L I F T. Lyft launches service uh, services for dogs. South African <laughs> carrier Lyft joked that it had launched a dog-only flight to take to the skies from April the tenth, featuring a grass-covered aisle and an in-flight fire hydrant. Even the crews, uh, even the flight crew, will be of the four-legged variety. Love Those of you watching on YouTube yes, will indeed. see. Is Alfie? Is that Alfie? On, oh, that was Alfie Quite there. Quite possibly, yeah. Uh, Quite possibly, Alfie there. Yeah. Yeah, he'd definitely be interested in the fire hydrant. That I can assure you. Yeah. Uh, I do like the in the uh, just trying to describe the picture. Basically, it's loads of different breeds of dogs sitting in a single aisle aircraft. Look at me, uh, busy uh, like uh, sort of. Uh, it's all staring at the camera in the front there. Uh, I know losing all the lingo. And then one of the dogs. The thing, the bit that's making me laugh out loud is one of the dogs is literally got their paw right up in the air to press the call button. 
button, which I think is a, is a lovely touch. Well, one uh, of the things that amuses me, Matt, I don't know if you noticed, that the very front of the uh, of the cabin there. Oh, on I see. The right he's got captain's side, hat on. Lovely. Yes. No, no, no. Oh. At the very front, uh, the very front of the air or front of the um, where the uh, curtain yes. is at the back there, uh, to the right hand side. There's a certain non um, dog. <gasps> there's a cat on board. Yes. Outrageous. <laughs> that's outrageous that would never go down well that's that's a dangerous game that is <laughs> and we've got skip the lines at airport security geneva airport has developed a revolutionary way to skip the queues this summer at check-in passengers will be asked or able to jump into a plastic tray and travel to their flight with their baggage <laughs> undergoing the same security screening as checked luggage passengers are then delivered to the plane where they can board via a staircase the airport notes that approved helmets are essential when using the service. Let's uh, let's take a look at that ad, shall we? Ce nouveau processus d'enregistrement et d'embarquement est vraiment Okay, so let's describe it obviously. So it's literally a human being sat in one of the little co- <laughs> it's on the travelator. I would be so up for this. <laughs> you absolutely would, wouldn't you? Oh my word. There we go. Oh, so, oh, there we go. Somebody's climbing in. Do you know, the, the thing I'm most excited about is somebody will have actually had to have done this for the purposes of the video. They're now putting the uh, the baggage tag on this is my only concern would be that though that they would weigh me right okay <laughs> that's your that's your only objection in all of this is it right yeah. the fact that they would have... didn't a drunk passenger try to do this in russia like two months ago and he ended up in yeah he ended up like behind the scenes somewhere with his backpack snagged yeah. somewhere absolutely i, I I, I must I must be honest though one of the things I am loving about this video is that we're getting a look of, like behind the scenes oh now they're going through x-ray that's nice uh, their their lunch is being scanned by the look of it um, I just love the fact I'd love that view because it it'd be it would be a side of the airport you never see do you know what I mean that would just be so cool anyway you get the idea it's uh, bonkers at best and a classic uh, uh, first day but of course uh, not first uh, April fall of course that's not that's not the end of the story Carlos no, we've got uh, a new Airbus A350 operator, Toulouse-based photographer at French Painter, shared a photo of an unpainted Airbus A350-850, bound for low-cost Irish carrier Ryanair. <laughs> the aircraft is pictured without its engines, perhaps an oh, optional dear. extra. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean... <laughs> I love. I would that. love. I'd love to see a three fifty Ryanair, but um... I mean, genuinely though, that yeah, I mean, genuinely though, they would. Did you, I mean, the seats would be. I mean, the <laughs> amount of people they could cram on it for a start would be slightly frightening. Oh, um, but also, the thing that I quite like is, uh, I mean, I'm amazed they don't have a large aircraft. Do you know what I mean? Because some mm. of their routes, route, routes, they could absolutely full cram them, fill oh, yeah. that aircraft yeah, yeah, with yeah. with people on it. But uh, anyway, there we go. God, imagine yeah, so. the paninis on there. Anyway, the next one is WestJet <laughs> to fly Boeing 787s to space. Ooh. I mean, who wouldn't? Uh, WestJet is planning to operate Boeing 787 flights to space with its new subsidiary, WestJet X. Lovely. Uh, the X means space. Tickets will cost a mere $500,000 for a one-way trip. Ooh, cheap. And half the price of the company's competitors. Uh, the airline advertised Wi-Fi is also available, so you can TikTok from space and you can read more. More on WestJet's dedicated website to see more. Here we go, then. Let's take a look at this. Affordable. Today, our goal remains the same, but with a new destination space. Introducing WestJet X. The X means space. 
We believe space travel shouldn't just be for astronauts and billionaires. That's why our flights start at just $500,000. One way. <laughs> our state-of-the-art spacecraft is designed for your comfort and safety. And not to look like a p L Wow. Okay. Or with the real WestJet service you know and love. Experience the beauty of the cosmos. Mars. Saturn. Pluto. Oh, Maybe the engines run about yes, and absolutely. so much more. Anyway, you get the WestJet X is an important endeavor for humankind. There we go. There's another sort of 35 seconds of that, but I think you get the gist. <laughs> well, sign up there. You know, do you know? It, the thing it, it just worries me a bit. It's a one way. Yeah, well, there price. is that. Yes, absolutely. One of the things that I do love about this, though, which uh, is the the amount of detail, like tech. You know, that I mean, that video will have cost serious money to make. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. It's just like, I love that they've sort of wasted, uh, you know, money on, on these videos. I can't help but find them very, very in, enjoyable. Mark has just said on the WhatsApp, one-way ticket. Like, he's just realised that as well. Yeah. One-way ticket, absolutely. I love how it starts at 500. I mean, for some people, it might be good. You know, that they might appreciate Right, okay. Uh, we won't go into the list the, of people that you'd like to put on that aircraft, Carlos. Oh, I have right? a list, trust me. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, where do I and... book, says Jonathan Warner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. What, for you he or just someone else? <laughs> he just wants to get away from the kids. That's why you're right. right. That's what Mr. Okay. Warner does. Lovely. Anyway, I'm sure uh, they're lovely. <laughs> the last one is an absolute must for anyone who's a fave or, or a lover of the Queen of the Skies, a 747, yes. especially BA, because uh, plane reclaim is exclusive. Uh, they preview today. Be the first in the world to own your very own piece or, or sniff of bottled. Boeing 747 Air. <laughs> you can actually own an, your own bottle of air taken from an actual Queen of the Skies wow. Boeing 747 okay. 400. Let's take a look at the little TikTok video they released there. <laughs> so we're just, he's literally, so he's on an, uh, a 747, literally scooping up air in a little bottle. Uh, in the luggage racks and everything, in the cabin, in the cockpit, in the toilet. In the toilet. That's a nice touch, isn't it? There we go. <laughs> but yes, bottled by Simon, air, aircraft air specialist. There you go. There's a win. <laughs> Does worry me that people might actually purchase this. Yeah, you would, um, Carlos, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm running out of space on here for anything else to Are go. You? But I mean, right. you know, I'm going. I'm, I'm going for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Air is a good option, I think. With the way I mean, the prices of of, of uh, fuels and stuff are going in this country, I mean, you won't it's, have, it's probably going to be a big commodity. Yeah, yeah you won't, you, you haven't got to worry about where you're going to store air, though. Do you know what I mean? You open the bottle and that's <laughs> it. You've got you know seven four seven air in your in your office. Alan it's, White uh, is very, in the chat room is very much looking forward to some Boeing bog air. <laughs> I don't I don't know about you guys, but I I've certainly flown some aircraft in the military that had a very distinct odors to them uh, <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> it, 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 well some of those 707 platforms and the c-130s had been around since you know the the late 60s so <laughs> right think I, of how many I, I, um, I think i think i know where you're going there and i'm going to ask you to yeah. stop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please please stop that sounds horrendous thanks for that mr yeah. warner yeah oh, oh what, what did mr warner say mm. 
Sorry to. Sorry, I'm just drinking. Sorry, I'm just right, having yeah. a plate full of beer. <laughs> um, guaranteed, he says guaranteed. If it was a TriStar, Carlos would already have so some. And yes, very good all right, point. Okay, yeah, I would have some bottled air yeah, from a TriStar. Absolutely, yeah, okay. without question. Anyway. So let's move on to our next story on the show this week, and uh, it's a story that's uh, it's it's a very good reason why we have uh, Mr. Mm. Matt here from the A320 podcast. So, uh, Matt, over to you for this story. Thanks, Carlos. Yes, well, this one comes from uh, simpleflying.com and also from uh, samtree.com. And this has the title, LATAM Airbus A320 lands with landing gear pointing the wrong way. So is this hyperbole or is this actually some accurate uh, social media and media (laughs) this time? Well, surprisingly, it's actually correct this time. Oh, So... Uh, On the 29th of March, so just Tuesday, just gone, a LATAM Airlines Airbus A320 made an emergency landing at Medellin International Airport with the nose gear locked at 90 degrees off centre. The Airbus A320 with the registration Charlie Charlie Bravo Alpha Sierra was climbing out of Medellin's runway 01 as flight LA4292 to Cartagena in Colombia when the crew noticed an issue with the nose gear. Now, according to Av Herald, the crew stopped the climb at 13,000 feet, decided to return due to a nose gear steering fault indication. Um, Basically, they uh, circled for a bit, came back and then landed. Someone actually caught this on video, so I don't know if uh, you're ready. Here we go. uh, Matt, so I'm going to talk about what's happening here. So uh, the aircraft's just about to touch down. And what you'll see is just as they touch down here, they'll be shutting down the engines and then the procedure is to hold the nose off the runway for as long as possible until the aircraft is going so slowly that we don't have any uh, aerodynamic ability to hold it up. And you can see there the nose wall is now touching down and we get the shower of sparks cool, as blimey. the tyres burst. <gasps> and then it's the actual uh, nose wheel rims that are now scraping along the floor and uh, they're being worn away. So you can see we've got showers of sparks and smoke there. Uh, the procedure is to brake gently as possible because you don't want to put too much weight on the front uh, nose wheel and you see there if they've come to a stop all the sparks and smoke has stopped and it's actually uh, well executed and the aircraft's perfectly safe there so yeah wow. quite interesting and i'm sure um, many of you will have heard of a similar incident to this there's a famous jet blue mm. uh, incident this happened and in that one they actually had um a media helicopter up that had the whole thing on video oh. interesting we don't know the reason why this one's happened but supposedly the the issue that caused the jet blue one was fixed um, there's actually been five before this one where they've had 90 degree nose wheels on and all of them have had different causes so it's gonna be interesting to see what this one is because after each incident uh they say they've rectified that problem so yeah could be interesting to see where this goes Uh, In the press release, the Colombian Civil Aviation Authority confirmed that a fault was detected in one of the gear tyres forward after takeoff. I think this might be a a translation error because we don't have any indications for their forward tyres, but they probably had something to do with the nosal steering indication, which we can... uh, There's certain procedures where that combined with another failure tells us that this is most likely to happen. So, yeah, basically, uh, they've done a pretty good job there. Um, If 
Matt, if you could bring up some pictures, there's some close-up pictures of uh, where the aircraft come to a halt. You can see there the nose will have pretty much been ground down. Looks like over half of it has I gone. Say, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, there's uh, quite a lot of. I mean, the the rest of the aircraft seems pretty uh, unharmed, doesn't it? But it's just where it's worn down there. Uh, some of you very observant people. I've seen a lot of people online. Uh, query about why the ram air turbine which is that propeller at the back there that's hanging out of the fuselage why that was deployed for um, a nose gear problem now on the airbus um, as i mentioned when we watched the video as the aircraft touches down the procedure is to shut both engines down and that's so if both engines end up touching the runway um, they're already turned off now the airbus uh, very cleverly and very helpfully for us uh, if we lose all of our um, ac alternating current power uh, from both engines then it automatically drops this ram air turbine which is basically like a wind turbine generator so this comes out spins up and provides our electrical power so as you chop both engines the aircraft says oh i've got no electrical power and it puts the uh, ram air turbine out so that is why why that is showing so Sorry, gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a question. So these guys uh, circled around for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So assuming you have a couple gear, unsafe gear indications, or like you said, a nose wheel steering um, error message or warning message during that time, aside from burning off fuel, what would the crew be doing? Are they mentally rehearsing this? Are they coming up with contingency plans? What What would you be doing as a Yeah, as I a guess. Trainer? I mean, uh, of the five um other incidents i think three of them they did a low fly pass and asked the tower to confirm what the state of the nose wheel was uh this may be different for different airlines the airline i work for we're told not to do that so they say that the risk of doing something like that which we're not trained to do is probably a higher risk than finding out um but that's what some of the crews have done but yes we would go into our procedures manual which would then give us the procedure to do something like this and obviously they would be holding to reduce fuel because you want to obviously be as light as possible because not only does that give you less weight on the wheels but also we can fly slower so the um as you'll know the the lighter you are the slower you can fly which is obviously what you need in this mm. case i've actually got the extract here for the procedure uh, from the airbus manual and it says here a normal approach should be flown and control surfaces used as required to maintain the aircraft in a normal attitude for as long as possible after touchdown now what that's getting at is if you've lost one of the main gear um to so say the left gear hasn't come down then they're saying once you touch down um fly to the right so that it keeps that left wing up as long as possible um, in this case, it was to hold the pitch up so that the nose wheel was off for as long as possible. Uh, then it says the engine should be shut down early enough to ensure that fuel is cut off prior to the engines touching the ground, but late enough to keep sufficient authority on the control surfaces. Um, consider a, considering a re realistic hydraulic demand, so this is like assuming just using the normal controls to keep it straight, they, they recommend or they suggest that hydraulic power will actually remain available for up to 30 seconds after the engine shut down, just through the engine spinning. So we have the pumps are directly connected to the engine. So even when you turn them off, actually the hydraulic power is produced from pretty low RPM on the engine. So 30 seconds, you're still going to get it afterwards. Um, and yes, yeah, so it says engine masters should be switched off if it's the nose gear landing just before nose impact. 
So there you go. Hmm. That's what they ask you to so, do. I mean, one one question I've got, if I if I may, uh, is is this a, a problem unique to the A320, or or can this problem exist on different aircraft? I've not heard of it anywhere else. Okay, um, I mean that's not to say it hasn't happened anywhere else, but I'm not aware of it. So for, forgive my naivety there. Is there a, a you know, I don't know, a, this is perhaps I'm not the right person to ask this question, but is it like a potential design flaw then as to why this is happening? Is is there a reason why it has to do this 90 degree thing? Is it is it because of uh, what it has to do to sort of go into the into the, the underbelly of the aircraft? Or, um, you know, is there another reason why uh, the need for this to, to rotate exists? No, so the the end, the gear stays straight when it comes up actually this is a nose wheel steering issue so obviously when we're taxiing around if we get to the end of the runway to do a 180 degree turn we need to turn pretty sharp and the nose wheel will go to you know 90 degrees so it is required and it's something to do with the nose wheel steering issue but like i say each um each incident of this has actually been a different reason. One oh, okay. of them was the engineers had um, done a thorough clean of the nose wheel and some water had got into these nose wheel steering sensors. And then when they took off and climbed up into the cold, that water froze and then damaged the sensors and it sent a signal to do like a full hard right turn uh, on the nose gear. Another one was due to that was a design for there were some like little lugs right that, um hold on the hold in place and the software you always used to do a little test and that test like shook it slightly and these lugs weren't strong enough so over years as it every time it did this little test it just did it until they sheared and then it turned them 90 degrees that was the jet blue one so yeah bizarrely it's all different uh, ones so, so it's a failure of the. So, so Jonathan's asking the question: How can the nose wheel turn ninety degrees during flight? And uh, again, presumably that's because um, you know, sort of several issues. I suppose it's not just one individual incident. You're saying it's a problem with the the, the, the steering. The yeah. steering of it is yeah. the reason there why was, it's turning in flight. There was a seven thirty seven, a KLM seven thirty seven that had a nose wheel steering issue in Barcelona, but that was it. Took a bird strike. Oh wow! And the, and the bird damages the, the nose wheel steering assembly, and then the aircraft ended up going off the runway. So essentially, not it, it's not unique to an A320. Is is the is the question I'm asking then? I would yeah. I would venture to say that some of the smaller general aviation aircraft also that have nose gear nose wheel steering that is linked via cables mm. have probably experienced. Um, similar, similar issues, either cables snapping or shimmy dampers uh, going wonky or parts getting stuck. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah. And those that know about the Airbus will not be surprised to hear that just the uh, steering and brakes have two computers. So, <laughs> wow. Um, okay. <laughs> so, it's a, a lot of these things are software issues. Goodness. Uh, John Jester's got a uh, question in the chat room, uh, Matt. He says, Can you air start your APU in the bus? Air start. No, we use um, batteries to start the APU. There we go. There we go, John. Yeah. And 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 would that that little turbine that you were mentioning there? I must admit, I didn't know that existed uh, or what its its the purpose rat. was. The rat. So, uh, what, why is it a called a rat? And b <laughs> what what is its purpose? Well, I mean, what what does it what does it do? Okay, so rat stands for ram air turbine. So it's a turbine that's spun up with 
air ramming into it. So that's right. where the, the term ram air turbine comes from. And what that does is actually produces hydraulic pressure. So its primary purpose is to provide hydraulic pressure, okay. which um, then we have the ability to, from that hydraulic pressure within the hydraulic system, tap that energy and turn it turn a electrical generator to provide us um, electrical power as well. Okay. So it's used for loss of ele- um, hydraulics or loss of electrics. Wow. But I'm right in, right in saying, though, Matt, it doesn't give electrical power to every single system in the entire aircraft. It's just the, the critical systems, yeah? Correct, yes. Yeah. So when we have what we call an emergency electrical configuration, the the rat has come out and then it's designed as like a, a shedding system. So it sheds off all the non-important things to pretty basic stuff. I mean, the captain has his screens um, and pretty much that's it. The first officer has a radio. Um, it's very basic. It's sort of usually just the minimal to, to get those those things on. So what you're saying is basically if you're sitting in seat 1A and you're watching the latest Avengers film, you, you're not going to be able to continue. <laughs> Absolutely, right. yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, and also, uh, John Jester is asking uh, the question, but you can start the APU in the air. Is that correct? Oh, sorry, yeah. I thought you meant do we start it using air, like we start our engines using air. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, we can, we can start the APU in the air. Yes, we just use the batteries to do so. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, what, fam- I just I just wrote to John. Famously, the uh, uh, Sully started the APU not in the checklist, but as soon as he lost the engines, he started the APU. Mm. Yeah, Indeed. and uh, uh, Sturman said uh, I'd have three computers. Yeah, <laughs> everything else on the Airbus is three computers. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Armando, you've got uh, the next story, and it's um, regarding a certain Mr. Bones' favorite airline. Yeah, I'm not. Mm. I'm not sure why you guys are giving me this story because now Nev is going to double hate me, you know, <laughs> taking taking his spot, and then and then bashing British Airways. But no, the British Airways did suffer a technical issue with its IT systems again at London Heathrow Airport this last Wednesday, causing significant disruptions and flight cancellations. Frustrated passengers, you won't be surprised, took to social media, several reporting being stuck on planes, sat on the runway, missing flight connections. One branded it as, uh, quote, another hashtag fail from at British Airways. They've outdone themselves. Uh, We've, oh yeah, was it Nev? Possibly, yeah, was it Nev? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't do anything to disrupt the waves at BA because, I mean, he's their number one customer. So, <laughs> um, yeah, apparently the IT failure is the latest in a series of mishaps that threatened to derail BA's recovery from the ba- from the pandemic. I don't know if it's going to do that, but the carrier has already suffered delays this year stemming from other technical failures and problems with the baggage uh, reclaim at Heathrow. Particularly embarrassing for BA Chief Executive Sean Doyle, who took over in October 2020, and has made repairing the airline's reputation one of his core priorities as the pandemic disruption fades. He, had, uh, he added that it needed to redefine its place in the airline world, including a heavy emphasis on the passenger experience. Uh, we want people to come off a British Airways flight and talk about it as if it's something different. Well, it certainly is something different if you're stuck on the runway. Well, there you go. Apparently, they, they resolved the issue by late afternoon on Wednesday, um, but of course, you know, every time we have any kind of 
a massive failure like this computer or, or weather or otherwise, it just has this ripple effect on the schedule. And so, so BA flights were affected for the next couple of days, I believe. So, I mean, I mean, I, I've got, I, I'm sort of reaching a point where I'm so exasperated by this, this story. And, and I'm beginning to wonder if, if they're, uh, I suppose it's going to, however you, you do it, to start from the beginning, like with their IT, I appreciate it's going to be a massive, massive issue. But how, I mean, how genuinely, how much longer can they carry on before they're going to have to absolutely bite the bullet and and sort of deal deal with this? I mean, I know one of the things that, um, so from what I understand, for, and I think this is a tweet, I apologise if I've got this wrong, I'm pretty sure this was Captain Al uh, put a tweet out that I was that I was reading, and he was saying, like, so the, the main reason why is they can't dispatch aircraft because they don't have any kind of manual um, itinerary for the passengers. Um, is it a load sheet, I think they call it, if my memory serves correctly? And, and so they rely heavily on there being a, a technical, like a digital um, upload, if you like, of that information. There's no uh, t- avail- available to the gate agents. There is no manual version of that information, which yeah, I find it, really strange. Uh, you know, well, there's, I, there's I no plan there's, B. I think there's a lot more that goes into that. I think okay. a lot of carriers have gone away from any kind of paper copy anything because the system is so interconnected. It, it really is the matrix. Um, sure, you may be you may be able to. Uh, dispatch a flight in in an emergency or something like that, but but um, you know Matt can chime in on this. But everything in in those aircraft and those flights are are metricized. Is that is that a word? So the the metrics are are being um, calculated, reported. So so it's not just the ability to dispatch a flight from A to B, but that may affect the passengers connections because their reservations are all online. It may affect the actual operation and maintenance of the aircraft. If you can't appropriately record uh, the aircraft parameters, um, it's, it's just, everything has gone digital. So I don't know that there's very many major airlines that, that have the capacity. It's not just BA to just paper dispatch an air and, and an airplane. No, but, I mean we have paper load sheet forms where we're given the you know the the figures, but that is taken from everything digital. And like you say, everything's intertwined. It's not as easy as just changing uh the software or changing the IT system because everything, even not just within British Airways, will be interlinked. So, you know, if you use the sort of world used booking system like a lot of the one world airlines certainly at one time i don't know if it's still the case but british airways and virgin atlantic were using the same booking system so travel agents all have to have the same booking system i don't know if anyone's ever seen a travel agent even now booking a system it looks like they're typing in ms dos like it's that <laughs> archaic it's like the black screen c-fax yeah and the the green cursor flashing waiting for them to type some sort of command in it's literally <laughs> like that and i think the whole world needs to to update the system but it's very hard to do anything because of the integrations with outside uh, companies not just within within them you got the catering companies the airport authorities the booking system um then you've got you know the actual 
uh, airline, even the manufacturers all have to get data back on what the aircraft have done and you've got engineering like it's a, a huge job and i think it's one of those things you know like when you've got uh, an old car that keeps breaking it gets to the point where you think well the car's not really worth anything but it's going to cost me a lot of money to go out and buy a new car and yeah. then you realize after about two years you could have bought a new car with the repairs you've been doing so I think but, they might be finding themselves in that situation. I, I guess my objection here, though, is is this is what is this is like this is like the fourth or fifth major outage in quite a short period of time uh, that has cancelled. Yeah, I think yeah, may, maybe fourth. fourth. I, I mean, the num- yeah. Yeah, uh, whatever the number is, I feel for a major airline like this, this is one too many now. I mean, it's you know you can have one outage it all goes terribly wrong that's just you know that's just the luck of it it's what does i, I it's just i don't understand why there's no backup here we go ba go I, uh, back go back to this yeah yeah <laughs> all right well i have I, mean, I have no doubt that those conversations are taking place uh, uh, something like this is so disruptive to the system to the entire operation for mm. for 24 hours that it's it, this this kind of event costs a company hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Mm. Um, rest assured, those conversations are probably happening in the corporate suite. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the airline I work for, where we just have A320s, one cancellation costs between twenty and £30,000. Mm. So you imagine what it must be like on bigger aircraft with more people to rebook and compensate and put in hotels. It will be millions, yeah. Indeed, uh, Mark from Mark from WhatsApp is saying that our BA. Uh, sorry, my, my my things crashed. <laughs> uh, he, he's asking, are BA liable to, uh, to fines from other airlines if they're affected? Oh, I see. Um, what, well, as in right? Yeah. So, mm. so is the One World something that's owned by them, and then they sh- they provide those facilities to other people? Yeah. No, no. I, One World is just an alliance. Um, it's just okay. A, you know, it's, like a, it's like a big group of friends, yeah. right? Okay, mm. it's a bit like the Air France KLM tie-up, that sort of thing. Is that oh, Sky, okay. is it Sky Team? Which one's that? Something like that. Yeah, Sky, Sky Team. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's um, yeah. It, I just, it needs to get sorted. I think. Anyway, uh, we could go on and on and on. Uh, about Armando, it, so uh, not... sticking with you actually for this next one because it's uh, Southern Airways. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So this, uh, again, this is essential air service. It's big news in um, this part 135 world here in the U.S. Southern Airways Express um, just announced that it's going to acquire Air Choice One. Um, this, the Palm Beach, Florida-based Southern Airways, um, I just announced this. It comes less than a month after uh, a major essential air service uh, carrier, SkyWest, uh, requested to terminate 29 of its essential air service routes uh, around the country on March 10th. That was actually denied by the by the Department of Transportation. Um, the the press release said that this move is going to strengthen the essential air service offering to the marketplace. Um, although Air Choice One's branding is are is going to be retired soon, the carrier's operating certificate won't be terminated, and it will continue to operate under under its own airline code. Um, which is three echo um, the cities that air choice one currently operates will be branded as Southern uh, rebranded as Southern airways express by midsummer. Um, in addition, those passengers 
um, from those uh, former Air Choice One cities will be able to take advantage of Southern's uh, ticketing and baggage agreements with Alaska Airlines, American Airlines, United Airlines around midsummer uh, as well. Air Choice One was one of the smaller EAS carriers. They didn't have any interline or code share agreements, um, but uh, you know, from the company, they're they're excited to to join the um, the Southern Airways. This is actually the fifth airline that Southern Airways Express has acquired in 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 its short nine year history. Um, they were they were found in 2013, um, but they've uh, acquired Ex- Executive Express Aviation. Um, that gave them a bunch of uh, uh, Cessna 208s, Piper 31, uh, PA 31 Navajos. They uh, one that made big news was they acquired Mokalele. Uh, Mokalele out in Hawaii was operating 15 Cessna caravans. Now that's under Southern Airways Express. Um, they also bought another Hawaiian-based airline, uh, Makanikai Air. Um, that gave them some King Airs and a couple other Navajos. And and then most uh, recently, um, there were uh, oh geez, uh, well well actually the the Air Choice One. Uh, has a Beach 1900, and they all also operate Cessna caravans. So this is actually putting Southern Airways Express as, as one of the largest caravan operators in the world. It's going to give them more, almost 50 aircraft. And to, to sort of recap again, Essential Air Service is uh, a partnership between the Department of Transportation, the local governments, and these airline providers that say, hey, we're going to guarantee the government is going to subsidize a certain amount of flights per month or per year or per week um, to guarantee that the people in these underserved uh, communities have essential air service to usually uh, a hub. Sometimes this is a TSA airport. Um, for example, uh, boutique air, you know, I used to live in Clovis, New Mexico. So they were traveling from Clovis, New Mexico to Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, non-TSA, so that, uh, we went from FBO to FBO, and then there was a shuttle at DFW. Eventually, that became a TSA airport. So just having that kind of business at a small city like Clovis, New Mexico, um, allowed them to put in a grant, a, a, a grant proposal that get that gave them a TSA screening. Now those passengers from a tiny little, you know, forty thousand um, person city like Clovis, they got a TSA. Um, checkpoint, so now they could go straight into the the secure part of the Dallas terminal, something like that. So it it really opens up air travel to some of these communities. Think, you know, Norwich. Think uh, a, a place like I don't know um, Milton Keynes, right? If Milton Keynes had a had an airport, it would give them essential air service to Heathrow on a small eight carrier. It's, it's exactly what, what Neil Cloughley is trying to do with Faraday is open up this market uh, of smaller airports and smaller cities, taking them into the bigger hubs to provide that, that link to the rest of the world. Love it. Such a good idea. Yeah. Pretty cool news. Southern airways. And, and for all those aspiring pilots, it's a great start. It's a great start to your career. If you can get on with a carrier because it's, it's great experience. It's IFR. It's scheduled operations. You're going into big airports. Um, it's a great stepping stone. Absolutely. Indeed. So before we uh, have to say uh, bonjour to you and au revoir and all that kind of funky stuff, Matt, uh, one last story for you all about de Havilland. Yes. 
So uh, this one comes from flightglobal.com and uh, de Havilland are to develop an updated water bomber called the DHC-515. Uh, the de Havilland Aircraft of, Can of Canada has relaunched development of an updated water bomber based on the stalwart uh, CL series line of firefighting aircraft. The Canadian airframer has committed to developing its DHC-515 firefighter. A variant had been called the CL-515 prior, and this aircraft development has been teased up until the pandemic. Uh, their chief executive, Brian Chafe, said, after an extensive business and technical review, we are pleased to announce that we have launched the de Havilland DHC 515 firefighter program, which will involve negotiating contracts with our European customers and ramping up for production. So the move puts the Canadian manufacturer on a path to restarting production of an aircraft family that, over the decades, has proved its worth in the fleets of the world's aerial firefighting services. The Havilland aims to deliver its first one by mid-decade. The DHC-515 will be an updated variant of the CL series, which has been products um, of Viking Air, also a Longview Aviation subsidiary. Viking inherited the CL series from uh, Bombardier, who in turn had inherited the lineup from Canadair. In February, Longview announced that it would be merging the Viking and the Havilland companies under the de Havilland name. Viking previously said that the CL515 would have twin Pratt & Whitney Canada PW123AF turboprops and Collins Aerospace's Proline Fusion Digital Avionics. It was also to have improved corrosion protection and increased landing weight and the ability to carry 7,000 litres or 1,850 US gallons of water up from the CL415's 6,000 litre capacity. The DHC-515 can be equipped with a spray boom for insect control or oil spill dispersant, or a large cargo door uh, suited for disaster relief missions, according to Vikings' websites. They can also be equipped as a medevac aircraft. De Havilland says that 22 have been ordered by European customers, but they declined to comment on who they could possibly be. So it sounds like it's going to be... Uh, a pretty useful uh, mm. utility aircraft, isn't very it? Agile. Yeah, very agile, I think. Yeah, absolutely. indeed. And to have that ability to land as well on water, obviously, is um, to collect water and then be able to fly out and fight the fires directly. Um, doesn't give it. Doesn't give it how much water that actually holds, but yeah, it's eighteen hundred uh, gallons. Eighteen hundred yeah, gallons. Seven thousand liters. Yeah. Seven thousand yeah. liters. Yes, yeah, so that's not a small amount of water. No. And yeah. <laughs> and it's nice that, um, well, you know, it's going to be good that they're upgrading the avionics and the rust protection things because, unfortunately, you know, there are probably a higher than average amount um, of accidents with firefighting aircraft mm. compared to some uh, other operations and sectors. So, um, you know, they, they're flying around in old aircraft a lot of the time with these True. things. So updated avionics and uh, new airframes is is going to be great for uh, saving lives, hopefully, as well, Absolutely. on the ground and actually those operating it. I can remember so a few years back when we were all at Farnborough when it was an air show with actual aircraft Aww, in the air. Do you remember those days? They had, we had the uh, the, the Boeing 727, didn't we, with the um, spray 
booms on the firefighting one that done uh, a, a show or a fly past at the air oh, show. Did they, did they demonstrate yeah. it sort of water dumping? They did, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was wow, quite that a, a few years back, that yeah. was, yeah. But we're all, that was when, I think that's when we did a live show from there, actually, Matt. Uh, oh. so, yeah, we did a couple, back, to be fair. I always remember on um, the Ice Pilots series when they... Uh, uh, they shuttled the two across, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was quite cool, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, well, we better interesting. We better say a, a very good evening to Matt. Thank you so much for yes. joining yes, us. Yes, thank you, uh, and thank you for your expertise with the with the uh, the the gear landing uh, issue there. Much much appreciated. Uh, enjoy your dinner. Although I must say, producer John has just had some food uh, delivered to his hotel room, which is too shabby. That, that doesn't look too shabby at all. We're all salivating. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're we're starving. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, enjoy your meal, Matt. Thanks for coming on. Thanks as always for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Anyone that wants to be even more geeky about this, um, on Monday I'll be putting out a whole episode podcast on these uh, 90 degree nose wheels and I'll be going into detail on each of the six incidents that have now brilliant so yeah 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 there. <laughs> there we go we'll put that link we'll put that link in the show notes we will absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah thanks ever thanks ever so much everyone take care thanks we'll, matt, we'll take care. matt yeah we'll catch up Bye. with you soon matt take care indeed Bye. okay uh there we go uh Sorry, uh, I've yeah. Shout out to uh, flight team or flight team who joined us in the chat room this evening, uh, and don't normally get a chance to join us for the live shows, but oh. uh, they've managed to managed to jump into the chat room tonight. So uh, welcome to you. Welcome into the uh, welcome into the madness that is the chat room here on a Friday night on PTUK. I'm loving the little logo there. Sorry, just pop that one back up. Sorry, rubbish on a podcast, I know, but uh, that is a... I love that. I love love the little, like, the uh, the little emote. Well... Uh, somebody else talk. I've lost the ability today. Uh, moving on. It's like a little, little model aircraft. I like that. <laughs> it is. I love it. Yeah. 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 I've had How, you, how many bears I, yeah, I haven't had that. anything to drink. I don't know. It's just it's just general exhaustion. I'm sorry. It's been... It's so, been to be much. fair, Matt was up at a silly o'clock yeah, yeah, this yeah, morning yeah. sorting yeah, out the, things yeah. in so, the minus 400,000 degrees Celsius. I mean, if, if we're going to play play that game, though, produ- yeah, and then had to put the studio back together, but as yeah, I say, if exactly. we're going to play that game, producer John, I think, has had about three hours in, in like, sort of 30. So Yeah, I, but I he's eating nice food, so... Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. What was the matter with my jacket potato? How rude. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't you start about jacket potatoes. Anyway, moving on. Honestly, anyway, moving on. Uh, this next story comes to us from skynews.com. And, oh, my word. British Airways are getting a bit of a bashing this week on, on the show. They anyway. Are. It's because Nev's not here to defend Nev's them. That's here. what it is. Absolutely. Uh, British Airways pilot is jailed for lying about his flying experience on a CV to get a job. Blimey. Craig Butfoy put in false claims to acquire work with BA, subsidiary at BA City Flyer, based at London City Airport, as well as former Irish regional airline Stobart Air. Uh, a pilot uh, has been sent to prison for lying about his flying experience to get a job with British Airways, the CA have said. So Craig Buckfoy put in false claims to acquire work with BA and City Flyer based at London City as 
Well, we've already said that bit. Who done these show notes? Honestly, John. Uh, he continued working for the airlines for two years between April 2016 and March 2018. But Foy from Kent entered false details and altered entries in his flight logbook <gasps> so that he could appear more experienced than he actually was, the court heard. He pleaded guilty to four charges of fraud on Monday this week and was handed a 12-month prison sentence at Snaresbrook Court Grand Court in East London, the CAA said. Jonathan Spence, not Warner, Jonathan Spence, a general uh, counsel at the CAA, said the Civil Aviation Authority prosecution and the sentence imposed show that the offences of this kind have taken very seriously by the CAA, the courts and the courts. Uh, pilot integrity is at the heart of aviation safety and they'll take all necessary steps to maintain that position. I mean... I mean, you can, write, you can write anything you like in your in your um, in your pilot, you know, in your, in your logbook. I suppose. I mean, I, yeah. I could I could easily add two or three thousand hours to my logbook. I suppose if I wanted to, but um, I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate. But people do it, and all they're doing is people putting people's lives at stake. Amazing, amazing that it, in a, in an industry in a profession where so much is is predicated on trust. Um, it's amazing that you would lie to get a job, but people still do it there. Here in the U.S., the FAA does audit logbooks. Well, sometimes when you're going up for a new typewriting, a new certificate, they have a certain number of people that they need to, not people, but a certain number of applications that they need to audit um, to maintain the integrity of the, of the system. Um, so here, this that's one thing that I always tell um, anybody that I'm flying with, especially um, you know, some of our operators, we have single engine aircraft or uh, or something like a citation, which is on a certificate. Technically, it's a single pilot aircraft, doesn't require a second in command unless you have the proper paperwork in place for the right seat to log that time, um, whether that's the op specs or, or a professional develop a pilot development program. People are logging all kinds of th crazy things, you know, or they'll sit right seat in a King Air. Next thing you know, that goes into your logbook. Well, you can't really do that. And and they're claiming, you know, that they have a certain amount of multi-engine time or turbine time or or in this case, total time just to, to get to the next step, hoping that they can go back and erase it at some point. And uh, man, that's a that's just a dangerous game to play with both people's lives and something like this will, it will surely result in a certificate revocation. Mm. I mean, I, I logged, I mean, I logged over a thousand hours in the Pilates with you in December, didn't I, Mondo? Did yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, actually, uh, Mark on what's on the WhatsApp number is saying that this reminds him of the PIA situation uh, a while ago, of course, wasn't it? And oh that, that, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, the Air, that, was, oh, that was the Airbus pilots, wasn't it? It yeah, was absolutely. Pakistan International Air, Airlines. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, which was which was a shocking story in its own right, wasn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. I, I guess they I guess they're excited by the opportunity to sort of do as Armando says. I mean, um, I mean, you you. you <laughs> You know that that moral compass that you hope everybody has would you'd like God, to think I, stop I wish you I could from fraudulently do my CPC, Matt, to save me. Well, quite absolutely. Those those are quite some <laughs> special sessions, aren't they? Indeed. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway. So next story, uh, Armando, and uh, this is cue the bad boys music. Uh, this is a bad boys roundup, uh, Armando. 
we would have had it ready if it weren't for the uh, the copyright infringement, right? Like, yeah, that's um, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I promise this is not an April Fool's joke either. These are real. Wow. I just thought it was kind of funny that that these all popped up in my newsfeed for this week. So for the first one, uh, at Midway Airport, a man jumped the fence and climbed onto an aircraft. Um, he was taken into custody. Uh, he did only manage to climb onto a small aircraft. Thirty-three-year-old man um, climbed onto a wing, banged on the door of the aircraft. Um, let's let's just say he was taken into custody and take and carted off for a mental evaluation, um, especially when there's propellers spinning. That sounds like just a terrible idea. Oh, but that was from the Chicago Tribune. Um, from mysuncoast.com, a woman crashed through an airport gate and drove onto the runway at uh, Fort Myers Airport. Uh, the airport was shut down for about a half an hour this last weekend when uh, – when she made it all the way to the runway, 42-year-old Cluiston woman sped through a marked and restricted gate uh, last Saturday afternoon at the Southwest Florida International Airport near Fort Myers. That's according to the airport police. She drove across the active runway headed towards a Spirit Airlines aircraft. She eventually stopped in front of ground services employees and police officers took her into custody. She refused to say why she did all of this. Um, but she was uh, screaming obscenities at the police and threatened to, quote, blow their brains out, which is never going to lead to a uh, an uneventful resolution if you, if you threaten to blow the police's heads off. Uh, they apparently weren't any aircraft on the runway at the time, but she sped across. About 21 minutes later, the airport reopened. Um, also from Boston.com, a 10-inch knife was found in a baby car seat at the Logan Airport. The Transportation Security Administration officers found a 25-inch or a 25-centimeter-long butcher knife wedged into the side of a baby's car seat at that security checkpoint. Uh, TSA put out a statement saying, we love babies, but not butcher knives. And they put that out on their Twitter account. Um, State police were informed after that knife was found on Monday, and it it was, of course, confiscated. Um, why that knife was there? Not entirely sure. But I just th- I just thought it was funny to, to put, <laughs> you know, these uh, interesting stories in there because we generally don't hear about these things. And uh, you, there was a show in, in the UK about London Airport, right? About just the operations and the airport yes, staff. Yes, there were, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was like a bet. One of my b- favorite shows because it showed the behind the scenes of yeah, all the yeah, yeah. animals that were getting s- smuggled through and and strange exotic fruit, much less weapons or human trafficking. Like all this kind of stuff just happens uh, on a day to day basis. And, that was and Heathrow, I, wasn't it? I think wasn't that Heathrow? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I just remember it was a really good show. Yeah. Um, for kind of like what you were talking about at the top of the show, the behind the scenes look at these airports, because they really are. They're just cities, you know, mm. they're they're The time that I spent at, at the Atlanta airport was eye opening. And I um, if I was on airport reserve, I loved just sitting there with just people watching and just watching everything that was going on between the 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 police and the airport employees and the airline employees and commotions at the food courts man it's just city uh, cities airports are just such cool places to just sit mm. back and watch all the craziness do you remember that, that remember that series on quest nothing to declare i think it's quest it's on 
a series called Nothing to Declare. Follow it's in the it's set or it's you know it's a fly on the wall series based at one of the airports in Australia. And if, honestly, if you ever watch it, you, you'd be honestly surprised that anyone ever gets allowed to enter Australia with some of the stuff that they get pulled up on. You know, a grain of sand on your shoe. You know, no, you can't come in. You can't, you know, you can't come into the country. You have a, a bead of sand on your shoe. It, honestly, watch it. It's, it's such an amusing uh, series. And I'm pretty sure it's on Quest here in the UK Is it? on our, okay. our Freeview channel. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. Uh, next story. Moving on to a, this one is on the pointsguy.co.uk. And uh, half a century of aviation and advancements. Uh, the UK CAA, or Civil Aviation Authority, celebrates 50 years. So the 1st of April today marks the 50th anniversary of the UK Civil Aviation Authority. The past five decades have seen revolutionary advances in aviation, safety and travel, of which the organisation has been at the forefront since its formation. The Civil Aviation Authority was formed as part of the Civil Aviation Act 1971, uh, evolving from the Air Registration Board and the Board of Trade in order to oversee the regulation of civil aviation in the United Kingdom. Since 1972, the organisation has worked tirelessly to advance air travel in the UK, bringing about major safety regulations and protections for travellers, including the Atoll Scheme and certifying of iconic aircraft such as Concorde and Boeing 757-767 and the Airbus A310, among others. So here are some of the highlights of the Through the Decades from the CAA. So in the 70s, 1974, Clarkson's Travel Holiday Company collapsed, uh, leaving 35,000 travellers abroad. Uh, The breakdown of the company meant that there were insufficient funds to repay those who had paid for their holidays in advance, leaving thousands of travellers out of pocket. And the creation of a new scheme, Atoll, uh, to protect travellers was brought into effect. In 1975, a significant milestone came when Concorde gained its certification of airworthiness from the Civil Aviation Authority. So 1980, in the 80s, saw a wave of aviation advancements. It was the period when London City Airport became fully operational. Certification was granted for the 757 and 767 and the Airbus A310. Following the Air Tours accidents of 1985, the mid-80s also saw the introduction of crucial cabin safety measures, including floor-level lighting, toilet smoke detectors, greater space around overwing exits, and fire-blocking seat covers. So moving on to the 90s, the 90s further safety improvements followed the 1989 Kegworth air crash. Remember that one very well. Uh, recommend, uh, recommendations contributing to the development and implementation of crew resource management or crm as we all know it Uh, by 1997 the aviation industry had become a major sector in the uk economy with over 15,000 aircraft on the civil aviation authorities register at this point uk air traffic controllers were now handling over 4 million flights a year so 2000s Following 9-11, the Civil Aviation Authority played a crucial role in protecting airspace, introducing a restriction on flying over central London. The eruption of the Icelandic volcano, very interesting name there, I'm sure Matt will pronounce that one for me, known as, as the volcano, you'll have to decipher that one, 
Uh, the 2010 ash crisis led to the closure of most European airspace. The Civil Aviation Authority, working in partnership with airspace regulators throughout Europe, managed to set new safety standards and reopen airspace within days. So the 2010s, in the 10s, 2014 saw the launch of the Civil Aviation Authority's dedicated unit, helping to further promote the UK's thriving general aviation sector. 2017-2019, Monarch Airlines' Thomas Cook collapsed, respectively, with 2019 seeing the Civil Aviation Authority launch the largest repatriation in peacetime history. So into the 20s, 2020s, well, coronavirus, enough said on that. <laughs> particular subject we've covered that four billion times in 2021 the civil aviation authority took on new powers as the uk space regulator helping to develop a safe innovative and thrilling space industry within the uk so from peter uk happy birthday to uh, the civil aviation authority so 50 years young uh, they are today the first of april Wow. Okay. Very cool. Uh, we'll move on to the next story then. Yeah. And uh, yes, absolutely. The uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. John is saying in my ear, I didn't try to pronounce the name of the volcano. You would be yeah. He's doing a lovely job of it in my ears. I'm it's, sh- it's, it's such volcano a shame. I can't, Dave. Yeah, it's such a shame I can't share it with you. But anyway, we'll move on. These yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Shush now, John. Shush now, John. Uh, These these airlines' boarding passes offer travel perks even after you land. So this is coming from cntraveller.com, and uh, I absolutely love this story. I must admit, it's not something that had entered my head, which is why this was so fascinating to me. Uh, For most travellers, a boarding pass generally has a short shelf life. Once the flight attendant scans them, they're usually on their way to a trash can or doomed to languish in the depths of an airline app. Uh, But did you know your airline boarding pass can grant you access to travel perks even once your flight lands? So we're going to talk about some of the airlines that offer perks uh, with your ticket. Alaska Airlines, onboard Alaska Airlines, your board pass doubles as a lift past at eight ski resorts throughout Alaska, Canada, Colorado, Idaho, Washington and Montana. Passengers can nab one free lift ticket per boarding pass on the same day as their flight arrives. The list of eligible partner resorts can be found on Alaska's site as well as uh, offer details like uh, blackout dates and other restrictions. Oh, cool. Uh, Asiana Airlines uh, with Seoul Bay Based Asiana's Magic Boarding Pass program, travellers can score a host of discounts at tourist sites throughout South Korea and other regions in the airline's network. Simply flashing their boarding pass opens up flyers to uh, to reduced entry costs at museums and other attractions, including 30% off admission at Seoul's Coex Aquarium and 10% off tickets uh, to the city's, uh, I want to say, Joindong Theatre. Wow. Uh, BA, uh, I was surprised to learn. Your British Airways boarding pass, uh, if the flight's going ahead, of course, is your ticket to savings at some of London's poshest boutiques. Uh, Offers include a 15% discount at Bentley and Skinner's Jewellers in Mayfair, 15% off at Hackett British Menswear, and 10% savings at uh, Floris British Perfumers. Uh, After a long morning of shopping, travellers can refresh 
fresh with afternoon tea at Hotel Cafe Royale uh, or Ham Yard Hotel, where their uh, airline ticket garners a complimentary glass of champagne and a free cocktail, respectively. Emirates, as part of the My Emirates Pass program, Emirates, Emirates passengers can use their boarding pass to access offers at more than 500 locations in Dubai and across the UAE. And just some, and just like uh, the airline's service, these perks are five star all the way. Among the numerous discounts, get 20% off select spa treatments at hotels across Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Uh, also available are a flat 20% off the tab at some of the UAE, UAE's best restaurants, as well as discounted entry to popular tourist attractions in the region. Uh, Korean Air the, uh, is uh, joining in on the party as well. Discounts abound with Korean Air's excellent boarding pass offers. Uh, flyers can show their boarding pass for up to seven days after departing after their departing flight to score benefits like half off admission at the Jeju Folk Village. Uh, it is 45% off Lotte rent-a-car reservations, plus specialty dining perks like free seasonal entrees and complimentary beverages at popular restaurants. And finally, Singapore Airlines offers include uh, desert, uh, as in dessert, at uh, <laughs> numerous uh, restaurants throughout Singapore, plus other dining discounts, up to 20% off treatments at uh, Aikida Spa, including an onsen bath. Uh, ooh, what's an onsen bath? I want to know what that is, with a massage or an organic facial, and 20% off tours with Singapore sidecars. I, I must admit, I had didn't. it didn't even enter into my head that the boarding pass uh, gave you some kind of... I know I'm trying to find my, my one from December because I've got yeah. a BA one somewhere. Uh, I, I'm wondering. Uh, I mean, I've got several EasyJet and Ryanair passes. I wonder what they entitle me to. <laughs> you get a free panini. Yeah, I get free um, panini. Free panini. I'll take. I'll take a free panini. Yeah, absolutely. With, with, I'll with, take a free with four hundred thousand Ryanair um, uh, tickets. Loyalty. Mate, you get loyalty free tickets. Right. Okay. Very yeah. good. Well, okay. Carlos, I, I would suggest that you use your British Airways for at that fifteen uh, percent at Bentley and Skinner's Jewelers. Instead right. of buying more airplane parts, <laughs> absolutely. If you want to buy you more, to say? if yeah. you want to buy more airplane parts, every once in a while you should use your BA. Uh, absolutely, pass uh, I to, think uh, so. I, I understand your wife. Wife is very partial to diamonds. Uh, oh blimey! Yeah, I know. I know. Well, you could have fifteen percent off. Absolutely, indeed. The, the trouble yeah, is that that the, uh, that website, you know, is so addictive and. They have so many. Which nice one? Bits you on have it. several the, the in your. Plain it's not. One. Yeah, it's not Honestly. just. It's just not that one, is it? it you know, just digging a big hole here, Carlos. <laughs> anyway, uh, shall we move on before Carlos is uh, in more trouble? Spending more money. Yeah, honestly. Absolutely. Indeed. Oh dear, it's all your fault, Matt. <laughs> okay. Okay. This one is from GlobeNewsWire.com. AeroGuard Flight Training Center is excited to announce that through its partnership with SkyWest Airlines, it's now able to provide a clear path to four major airlines. That's uh, Delta, United, Alaska, and most recently, Southwest Airlines. That's through a guaranteed pilot interview and tuition reimbursement program. As the demand for pilots increases, SkyWest Airlines has announced agreements with these four major airlines, um, such that SkyWest captains of two years can receive a guaranteed pilot interview with each of them, the major ones. 
this means that from the moment that a student joins AeroGuard Flight Training Center with no necessary prior experience, they can be on the path to become an airline pilot at four different major airlines, and it's a clear and predictable path. After completing the program as a student, with they'll eventually graduate with seven FAA ratings and certificates. AeroGuard graduates are guaranteed an interview for a flight instructor position there at the at the academy to build their flight experience to get to the required minimum hours, which is usually around fifteen hundred hours, while earning a salary and benefits. These pilots, after they gain the required flight time, which t- typically takes about two and a half years from their start. Uh, then they're guaranteed a first officer final interview with SkyWest Airlines, where they, um, if they are accepted and complete the initial operating experience, they also receive a tuition reimbursement of $17,500. SkyWest Airlines has just recently announced this new pathway program to Southwest Airlines, uh, in addition to Delta United and Alaska, for uh, young pilots to upgrade to captain after a two-year period. This makes just a nice career path from the moment that you begin. Um, this, I went over to their website, the AeroGuard website, and even if you're just an aviation enthusiast, it's a very well done website that has lots of resources. And actually, I think a lot of our listeners—I'm not plugging AeroGuard here—but uh, I think a lot of our listeners are interested in more than just the surface level of the industry, and they have a really nice. Um, a drop-down menu system of the pathway to becoming a pilot, the different avenues of becoming a pilot. Um, of course, they're going to plug their own services, but um, everything from how much does it cost, how long does it take, when should you start, is is it ever the wrong or the right time to, to start pilot training. But it's a really well-done website. And having um, my own nephew is now going, so he's 17 years old and like the family business, you know, my dad, my brother, my grandfather was a pilot. I'm a pilot. We're all pilots. And he is naturally following in, in, in those footsteps. And just uh, two weekends ago, he was traveling with his dad all over Florida, looking at part 61 flight academies, part 141 flight academies, and something like this AeroGuard, where, you know, from the moment that you join up um, that you could potentially have a pathway to a major airline having the ability to go to four major airlines, that's that's very unique. So um, if you're interested in beginning your career, it doesn't matter how old you are, uh, check out that AeroGuard website. That's really well done. It's always nice to see things like this happening, especially with training and stuff and the mm. way things are right now. And to try and get, especially young, young people, kind of um, interested, Definitely. engaged in training and starting training and that. So, mm. yeah, it's certainly not cheap. We always say that. Oh, no, but, no, no, no. But, you know, the career, if you if you're able to get through now, this is one difference between the U.S. and Europe. If you're if you're able to get to a regional, get through those initial couple years, get to a major and you're only, you know, 25 years old at the time that, that you get there, your potential earnings over the course of your career are well into the tens of millions. And I'm not even I'm not even. Uh, exaggerating on that. Uh, if you were to go to a major in your mid twenties, you're 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 going to be upwards of of fifteen million and up by the time you retire at at age sixty to age sixty five, and then you can go corporate from there and continue making you know well into the into the 
150, $200,000 a year range. So, um, yeah, that's, it's a, it's a great time to get into the career mm-hmm. field. And, and like Dana says on, on APG, every month that ticks by that you're thinking about it, that's a month of seniority that, that you're losing out on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Indeed. Uh, so, before, before we move on, uh, oh, can I just on. say that um, there's an awful lot of love in the chat room for your Pilatus uh, shirt, uh, Armando? Oh, I've already got my eyes on that. Oh, have you? Oh, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I will say it's like BMW swag there because it's unique. It's they're Swiss and all that stuff. They're, they're remarkably expensive. I, I got this, uh, shirt, uh, at training, but, um, yeah, they're, they're, and they're hard to find. You have to either go to the store yeah. at flight safety or to the Pilatus store, which are going to, you know, yeah so so in in other words he's not getting one essentially uh, richard adams saying diamonds carlos that's it you need a da42 i don't understand oh that, that would be oh, nice that would be nice perfect. somebody we, we would love a diamond i uh, know we we didn't we see one of those at oh the, i see the i see what did i think there. the diamond we did. Really. yeah very nice yeah very nice. yeah i see what you did there yeah yeah, yeah. i need to stop buying aircraft parts anyway um it's never gonna happen <laughs> ah, uh, so Matt, i think i think <laughs> megan would love a diamond yeah like, a, like, a, like an actual da40 a da62 something like that megan mm, yeah good luck with that uh yeah right. <laughs> they definitely, try, try they definitely to need to get together these two girls i think yeah, yeah we'll i know but i would definitely burn your credit cards i think that's probably the, <laughs> the, the safest way to play that particular oh, anyway, my word. Uh, anyway fo- matt you've got yeah. the next story and uh I, I loved it when I found this story. I loved this story when I found it this week. It's, Indeed, it's, um, yeah, it's a very ingenious way. <laughs> Indeed, it's an unusual approach, uh, one which I have many questions uh, on um, for for reasons which will become apparent as I read it. Uh, so the final story this week in the commercial is Indigo. Man says he hacked airline website to find lost luggage. This is on the BBC website. A man says he was forced to hack into a domestic Indian Airlines website to find his missing luggage. Uh, Nandan Kumar, uh, 28 apparently, I don't don't understand why that's relevant called indigo a low-cost carrier for help after realizing that he had swapped his bag with a co-passenger but after indigo refused to help him trace the other person mr kumar said that he was able to retrieve information about him from the airline's website indigo told the bbc that at no point uh, was the indigo website prom uh, compromised mr kumar says that he's not a professional hacker but had to do something to retrieve his luggage in a series of tweets mr kumar a software engineer said by the time that he got to the airport luggage belt a co-passenger had taken his bag and left Uh, he told the bbc he only realized the mistake after getting home because both bags looked exactly alike Uh, he was able to identify the other person's passenger name record uh record number number or pnr through a luggage uh, luggage tag but when he called the airline to ask for information about the passenger they refused to help citing privacy and data protection rules mr kumar says he decided to take matters into his own hands he started digging into indigo's website using his co-passengers pnr in the hope of finding an address or a phone number he tried various methods including the check-in process by editing the booking and update 
initiating the contact, but none of it worked. After all failed attempts, uh, my developer instinct kicked in, he says, and I pressed the F12 button on my computer keyboard and opened up the developer console on the Indigo website, Mr. Kumar said. I thought, uh, let me check the network logs. Uh, What he found was surprising his co-passenger's phone number. To be frank, I only checked for a phone number or an email, uh, basically anything I could use to get in touch to retrieve my bag. He says, however, the system's data could have been e- should have been encrypted, adding that it allowed anyone to access private information. A PNR and a last name is very easy to get. People share their boarding passes. Anyone can see your bags, take a picture and later use it to get your information, Mr. Kumar said. But it all ended well for Mr. Kumar and his bag. He said that his fellow passenger with the phone number he had retrieved from the system logs and the two met up to swap luggage. In a statement sent to the BBC, Indigo said that their customer care team followed protocol by not sharing any other passengers' contact details with another passenger. This is in line with our data privacy policies. Uh, The agent assured me that they would call me back when they were able to reach the person, Mr Kumar said, but that call never came. In a statement sent to the BBC, Indigo Airlines said that attempts were made by the customer care team to facilitate the exchange of baggage, but it could not be completed as the calls went through unanswered. Now, I have to say, uh, as uh, I mean, I've done a little bit of web development and all that kind of thing. Uh, and just to sort of briefly explain, uh, I'm sure some of you have probably pressed F12 accidentally on your computer. What it essentially does when What's you it do, do it is it, it uh, if you're on a web page, make sure you're on a web page first. What it essentially brings up is the code that is behind uh, the web page that you're looking at. Uh, now, websites are built up with lots of different files. Uh, there is some text on those pages as well, um, but there will be uh, database files or text files that contain information that build that website. So uh, the information that he found, uh, i.e. this customer's telephone number uh, or email number, lovely, Carlos is doing some hacking as we speak, um, won't be available in the public domain, but you will be able to find the log files for certain bits of information. uh, uh, Like, so if, so you go to the booking site, for example, you can press f12 and you can see the files uh that are used to to access that information now Mm -hmm. the bit that is very alarming for me as mr kumar said here is that that information should have had some kind of encryption on it and there was absolutely no encryption on it so although indigo are saying there's been no data breach here i strongly disagree because i would class a person's telephone number um as uh i mean i suppose it's you only got the id tag which he knew because obviously he had the id tag from the wrong case um, and was able to use search that id tag if you like to find the customer's telephone number and that's um for me i still think far too much information readily available out there now i would like to think that uh Uh, other websites that handle this kind of information i'm hoping this is an issue unique to indigo uh let's put it that way um so that's what's worrying me uh so so uh, yeah there's in the chat room there's there's some people that are i don't know anything about this i don't know anything about websites or sql Mm. injection to me that's like something you do at the doctor every (laughs) every 12 years but um 
Yeah, the, the, there's a, a few folks in the chat room that are saying that, that the, the story doesn't really add up or it, it's not quite right. Um, I know I don't know about the, the, the IT part of this, the website security part of this, but I do know that that the name that there's a lot of information to be gained from just a luggage tag. It does have your name. It does have your PNR. It does have everywhere that you just were. Mm. Um, it is very easy. And, and I'm sometimes surprised at how um, how people just carry their boarding passes, their printed boarding passes, at, at least in the past, um, or just drop them or put them in a, in, a, in a trash can or just leave them in their seats. There's a lot of information that can be gained, if nothing else, from the piece of paper itself or you know, somebody could come up to you and, and, and pretend to know you or say, you know, Hey, I, I, I just saw that you were in, you know, Birmingham, Alabama. And are you, are you, you know, are you Hank Williams? No. <laughs> uh, are you Armando? But, you know, mm. Yeah. Something, I mean, I get that all the time from PTUK. People, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people yeah. shout that through the E, through the E terminal at Atlanta. Every time I go through, of course, I mean, oh, you get oh, used well, to Oh, well, there we are. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things in in all the years, and if my dad is watching this, which he probably might be, or he'll be listening to it next week. But one of the things that we've never done is put our name, put your name on your suitcase on the luggage tag. But never ever have I ever put my my um, home address and telephone number mm. on a on a luggage suitcase or a hand luggage bag. And I see it all the time when we go when we travel in airports and stuff. People do still put their full name, full address postcode mm. and telephone number on their luggage suitcases when they're going on holiday which i just think is mm. not the best thing to do for, for me for me as i say my, my concern here is that uh, text files are quite often used as a way of of sort of you know um searching for for um n- you know, or building websites, if you like, that have got databases. Because, I mean, text files can be used as data files. And, and in an SQL dump, for example, is literally a text file with a load of, you know, you've got the piece of data, then a comma, the piece of data, then a comma. So uh, the bit that uh, the, the data being there doesn't surprise me. The bit where it's not encrypted in any way is the, is the part of this story that uh, I hope is not true. Um, I, I want I want John Jester to be one hundred percent correct where he's saying that uh, that's not the case. Uh, f- uh, flight t- fly, fly team is saying boarding passes and luggage tags contain lots of uh, PI AI, per- personal identifiable information. Personal identifiable mm. information. I am constantly talking to my customers about how to handle this bit of data. I wish airlines could secure this information better i mean i absolutely agree with that as i say mm. I, this is the bit that that alarms me is that uh, as i say that the fact that he found that information or found the file that contained that information doesn't surprise me i dare say that's very easy to locate i mean uh, you know you can very easily press f12 and see like pictures that build up the website for example it's no different um to finding a file that contains that data it's the fact that you're able to access it without without any form of encryption and that that's the bit that I'm I'm worried Scary. about. It is, yeah, absolutely, mm. indeed. So that is where we bring the commercial news segment to a close on the show this week. Well done, everyone. Great stories this week, as always. And uh, it's time before we move on to the military news, because oh. um, I know we're all excited about that coming up. 
And uh, excuse me, I've just got a delivery in the uh, in the uh, oh, have you? In, the, in the home studio. Cup of tea. Thank you. Oh, very good. Yes. Um, oh, it's uh, time for our caption. This just for fun. Now, I've s- I'm sure even I've stumbled across this picture. It's a well, a very yeah. well used. It is uh, picture on the internet. This one, mm. indeed, uh, it's. Uh, uh, we'll pop the picture up. Uh, Armando yeah, will leave you up. in charge to uh, describe it. <laughs> well, as you guys say, uh, pretty much everybody on the internet has seen this, but it's. It can only be uh, an eight-year-old redheaded boy. Uh, strapped to the front end of a old 737. I'm going to guess that's a 737-200, something like that. Yeah. Uh, on approach into some undisclosed airport. He doesn't look very happy about it. He's, um, I don't know if he's crying, if he's excited or something. But, yeah, um, let's see. That's that's the picture. Indeed. First, uh, first one. Carlos, you want to take the first caption? Yeah, Bob, uh, Bob says... Bloomin' Trampoline Park. <laughs> uh, Chris says, Daddy, don't go. Oh, that, oh, that one hits. Yeah, oh, that I could say that. In the heart. <laughs> it hits all pilots, uh, pilots right in the heartstrings there. Jake says, uh, new, new pito tube in testing after child kicks seat back one too many times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, David says, it's clearly not my day. Nev told me the best seat is 1A at the pointy end. And now you're planning to land at Luton. No! Oh, dear. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, Sturman says, a screenshot from the last Home Alone movie. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Richard Very says, uh, take your kids to work week. <laughs> Very good. And Alan, uh, Alan says, Kevin makes sure that he will not or never be forgotten in the next Home Alone, Alone movie. movie yes. Very good. For yeah. all the, a lot of love for the Home Alone stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, James says, he's definitely short and definitely on finals. <laughs> Steve's, Steve says steam gauges. Ah! See, see, Steve's not even bothered about the fact there's a child the on child, the front of the no, aircraft. He's, he's more he's distressed worried by about that. the gauges on the flight deck. <laughs> Quite. Um, Jake says takes a new meaning to the term final destination. Wow. Okay. Oh, dark. <laughs> uh, John says scream if you want to go faster. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. I'm having. I, I can say I've got a few in the chat room, which hopefully uh, John will pop up for us. Uh, let's let's. Oh, hello. Uh, first one says uh, this is from Richard Adams. It says, "Dad, my pitos hurt." Oh, John Jester. Uh, oh dear, I'm a bit scared. What's next? Oh, main man Micah says, "Daddy, let me in." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Neil Lamorne is saying, "Can somebody oh. do something about this? Uh, what's a fodler? Oh, fodler, dear. yeah, <laughs> I like that." Okay. And my personal favourite from oh. John Jester, Matt's first. Oh, now come on, a parachute jump. <laughs> this is why he doesn't want to do it again. This was actually a picture taken from his first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Dirk S says, "Captain to FO, do you know why the windscreen wiper isn't working?" <laughs> Uh, that's a bit brutal isn't it uh and uh fly team is saying the new crying child seat very harsh. good absolutely i'm with you on that one i'm afraid yeah, so absolutely. that uh that is uh our captionist just for fun segment on the show if you uh follow us on social media make sure you follow us on facebook uh look for us on there playing talking uk and on a wednesday um i'll post another uh, cap or picture for you to uh, get, leave your witty captions to uh, <laughs> on a Wednesday. So make sure you look us on, look for us on Facebook. Check us out on there and uh, join in 
the fun that is caption this Indeed. just for fun. So we're going to hand things over for the next part of the show to Armando. Well, there's nobody here to complain about it. So, Matt, if you're ready, <laughs> hit the button. Watch up, buggies, one, three, five, fifty, angel, sixteen, heading three, four, zero. Okay, now there's eight buggies. Okay, so in this week's uh, Put You to Sleep segment. Oh, no, don't ev- say that. Everybody <laughs> gets super excited when the next fiscal year's budget is discussed. Oh, okay, all everybody right. Everybody loves I, I take it. I take it back. I, I'm going to go and have a lie down now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it made big news in the U.S. Air Force this week because their budget proposal for the next fiscal year is out, or at least their proposal to Congress uh, part of that, the first part of that that I plucked out came from stripes.com. The Air Force plans to cut its F-22 fleet, um, apparently by 33 aircraft, mothballing some of the airplanes that were used by the training, uh, a training unit that's moving to Langley Air Force Base. Um, that move also uh, will affect hundreds of civilians and uh, civil- and contractors in the Hampton News um uh, Hampton News? Hampton. Hampton uh, Roads. Hampton Roads. That's what it is. Virginia. Um, apparently, some of those moves are still on course. But uh, uh, an Air Force media spokeswoman said, although we plan to retire the F-22 Block 20 aircraft, we plan to redistribute the existing operational F-22 aircraft to support the training mission as well as operational missions. The Air Force still plans to move the F-22 formal training unit to Joint Base Langley-Eustis and Langley Air Force Base. Uh, The budget proposal that the president submitted to Congress on Monday includes a plan to mothball F-22s that are not configured for combat. Uh, That's sparking some speculation that the uh, move of the FTU, the formal training unit, from Florida to Langley would be canceled. And that's what this article was about, that that move is still happening. I just thought it was interesting that um, we are already mothballing F-22 aircraft. Um, as main man Micah in the chat room is saying, those older F-22s are not really operational. That is correct. <laughs> oh, wow. They are, they are not. They are essentially training, training only aircraft. And with the advances in virtual training, um, they are rapidly becoming obsolete but there you go that's your taxpayer money at work cut them up and sell bits (laughs) you know what i anticipate that duxford has a good chance of getting an f-22 hanging in that american hangar oh (gasps) yes Yes. that would be pretty cool huh another uh uh, golden nugget plucked out of the budget from airforcetime.com the air force proposes to cut its military jobs in 2023, apparently 6,000 military billets um, in in next year's fiscal year budget, and looking to retire most of it, or some of its uh, combat aircraft. Um, Another spokeswoman uh, said, we're basically taking some end strength out of associated the with the divestments. Okay, so what that means, um, the aircraft uh, T one training aircraft, which are modified Beechcraft, uh, they are uh, oh gosh, what are they? Uh, BE four hundreds. They're T one Jayhawks. Um, 
Nextent Jet. Oh gosh, I can't remember. Um, but uh, they are being retired. Some F-22s that we just talked about. Some E-3 uh, airborne tracking air, aircraft are going to get retired. I have a different story on that. All of these result in um, the jobs associated with these particular aircraft uh, kind of getting cut also. Now, there's ebbs and flows in military strengths. Uh, I'll talk about that here at the end. But in total, the aircraft, the Air Force is asking Congress to fund uh, a total of 657,000 billets across the active duty Air Force, the Space Force, the Air National Guard, and the Air Force Reserve, including its civilian workforce. Um, some of the numbers, the Air Force, when I was in at least, was right around 330,000 active duty. But uh, that is uh, getting cut by about 6,000 um, positions. So um, coming down to 323,000 for fiscal year 23, including, uh, or actually not including, 8,600 uh, Space Force, they're calling themselves the Guardians. Um, the last uh, golden nugget out of the budget proposal from Air Force Magazine, the Air Force plans to retire half of its AWACS fleet of E-3 sentries and most of the E-8 uh, J-STARS in fiscal 23 and 24, but anticipates that a delay between retirements and new space-based intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance capabilities that could replace them uh, could result in, in a slight gap in uh, intelligence coverage. Uh, basically, the reason they're cutting these aircraft is they're saying that in a modern uh, conflict with a near-peer adversary, the, both the J-STARS and the E-3 AWACS are essentially not survivable. They would be gone in, in just a few minutes in the opening salvos of any kind of conflict. Um, the Air Force plans to retire 12 of its uh, 16 J-STARS aircraft. So that's uh, pretty much the whole fleet. Uh, that is uh, right on the heels of there was another article that they're going to invest uh, just over $200 million. Um, they're, Boeing put out a, a, a news release saying that they're going to start looking into the replacement for the E3, for the AWACS. Um, that's most likely going to go towards the, e, um, the E7, the, the wedge tail that everybody's buying. So, yeah, Alan White says, not surprised that the E3s are being retired. Yes, they are indeed 1950s and 1960s airframes like I was talking about earlier. Uh, they are 707s when you can be much more efficient. Even the government is not immune to, you know, uh, cost-effective operations. So, yeah, the uh, that's, that's not a surprise to anyone. Um, let's see. Let me look at some of the other chat room comments. Um, yeah, well, Dirk says if they don't need an F-22, can I have one? Well, I don't know. We may we may be all all be able to get a lottery a lottery ticket and maybe put one in our front yard. I know. <laughs> Plane tags, or oh, we could yeah. all chip into one lottery ticket, get one, and put it in Ned's front yard. I'm sure. He yeah. Would that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you you do that. You do that yeah. at your own risk. Yeah. We'd have, we'd have to we'd have to paint it bright uh, yellow though. Yeah. Exactly. A, yeah. a yellow wrap. A yellow raptor. Surely yeah. he'd be the hit of his neighborhood. But hey, the, anyway, the, the reason I put this, anybody can go, anybody that's uh, that's really, really interested. There's a lot of news articles right now about the budget proposal. But the way this happened, this is not a surprise to anybody. It doesn't, it, it's, uh, doesn't matter what administration is in charge. Every year, 
we we have to plan out five years out, right? So we do that planning process. And the people in these jobs, these 6,000 jobs, aren't going to go tomorrow. Um, they will be allowed to stay in for the remainder of their contracts. And, and the Air Force, along with the other military services, are always looking five years out. And that's where your manning numbers... Because in some situations, like a pilot, that's how long it takes to train somebody before you actually get them into the field. So, so despite the budget proposals, they um, these things don't don't take into a, don't go into effect, you know, immediately uh, per se. Um, the the way the Air Force works, at least, is the number of airplanes. Um, yeah, there you go. Matt's got a picture of an E three. That's. Uh, um, the way that, that this works in the Air Force is the number of airplanes determines the number of pilots, right? So usually it's somewhere around two and a half pilots or crews, two and a half crews per airplane. Then that determines how many ma- uh, maintainers you need, right? So it's usually somewhere around 10 maintainers of different specialties uh, per airplane. And then those two numbers, the crews and the maintainers, well, that determines all the support personnel the medical personnel, the security forces personnel. So it kind of trickles all down from essentially the number of airplanes or now the number of satellites, the number of assets that you have, and that determines how many people it takes to operate, which results in an overall end strength number for the U.S. Air Force right now, about 330,000 active duty, not counting the the Guard and the Reserve. Uh, But these numbers kind of ebb and flow. So a a a 10,000 person uh, change isn't isn't really uh too big you know there you go that's your that's your 30 second lesson in, in air force budgets <laughs> and, and billets and manpower Woo-hoo! sorry <laughs> so toning down for this next story because it's a bit of a sad story this next one this is uh come to us from the ny times or newyorktimes.com uh, navy plane crashes along virginia's eastern shore killing one crew member uh, the five-seat plane crashed on Wednesday evening with three crew members on board. The Navy said uh, two were rescued, though. The small U.S. Navy plane crashed on Wednesday uh, along the uh, Virginia's eastern shore, uh, killing one crew member and injuring two others. And the plane, an E-2D Hawkeye, crashed uh, about 7.30 near Wallops Island. And uh, go on, Armando. Um, Chin- uh, Chincoteague. Chincoteague Bay. Yeah, that one. Uh, The Navy said in a brief statement early on Thursday morning, the Associated Press quoted a Navy officer as saying the aircraft had been conducting routine flight operations. Uh, The plane crashed at the bay near the eastern shore boundary of Virginia and Maryland, the airport reported, or the AP reported, citing the fire department in the Ocean City MD. Uh, The crash site is around 150 miles southeast of Washington, D.C., One crew member was found dead in the aircraft, the Navy statement said, adding that divers from the fire department in Worcester County, MD, helped to recover the body. The other two crew members were rescued by the Maryland State Police and sent to Wallops Island to receive treatment for injuries that were not life-threatening, the statement said. The Navy said the crash was under investigation. It did not release the names of the crew members, saying that only their plane had been assigned to an East Coast Airborne Command and Control Squadron. Uh, the AP said the plane had been based at Naval Station Norfolk, the world's largest naval complex. 
A Navy spokesman said by telephone early on Thursday that uh, he had no further comment and a call to the fire department in Ocean City rang unanswered. The E-2 Hawkeye series includes planes that are typically used for surveillance, air interdiction and other early warning functions. According to the Navy, E-2 planes have space for a crew of five. Uh, The E-2D is a recent model and is around 57 feet long. Yeah, John, John Jester was texting me earlier today saying that um, wallops is where they do the carrier qualifications for the E2 before they go out onto the boat. So if you remember, you know, there's some some uh, good historical movies about about carrier operations. But uh, part of the, the training progress to actually land on a boat is to land it on land um, in a, in a a runway the size of an aircraft carrier that has your resting cables and all that stuff. Um, I think, so I'm still trying to figure this out. I think initially this was reported as a Navy V-22 crash. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as more information came out, it, it, it turned out that it was this, this E-2 Hawkeye. Um, so very unfortunate that one person didn't make it out of the airplane. Very fortunate that that two were rescued. Um, and of course, you know, this is, the, the uh, you know, unrelated to the current conflict or the operational tempo, but it's when you have this many mishaps in such a short span, um, you know, one of the things that I learned about my military career is that there's actually a very short chain of command uh, between the tactical level, the lowest level, you know, an air crew all the way up to the, to the, the Pentagon and the secretary of defense and the, and the service secretaries. This is, when you're having this many mishaps in one um, in such a short span, it's surely raising the attention kind of like we were talking about the IT concerns, right. Uh, up at the Pentagon, um, which often result in, in some kind of safety stand down or, you know, they, they go into the investigations and figure out, is there a common trend between all of these mishaps? It's harder, to, a little bit harder to do when, when it's across services, right? So we've had some Air Force ones, the Marine uh, V-22, this Navy Hawkeye. But uh, regardless, the, the Pentagon is, is is finely attuned to the kinds of things that, that goes on um, in both public and, and behind-the-scenes operations. Do you know, I never realized I'm under the E-2 Hawkeye first uh, flew in October 1960. Wow. Wow. Do you remember the hunt for October, the mm-hmm. movie? Yeah, that I think Jack Ryan flies out on a Hawkeye. <laughs> that you know, and that was in the eighties or something like that. Yeah, it's been around. There's a couple of these airplanes. Well, more than a couple of the airplanes that have been around since the sixties. Are these are these arrestor hooks for the um, yeah. carrier? Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they're they're carrier capable. Yeah. Right. Um, moving on. Yeah, you know, speaking of that Marine V twenty two crash that happened in Norway, uh, this will not come as a surprise to anybody, but the aviationist uh, reported that um, the U.S. is repositioning 10 of its Marine Corps F-18 legacy Hornets to Eastern Europe amid this Ukrainian crisis. In addition to that, 200 Marines are also being moved from Norway to Lithuania. Um, uh, The aviationist at least recently reported about um, the arrival of numerous assets at Spangdalem Air Base in Germany. Um, this expeditionary force was made up of six EA-18 Growler electronic attack aircraft, 
um, belonging to uh, EA Squadron 134, the Garudas, um, from Naval Air Station Whidbey Island in Washington State. Um, as was, you know, our our audience probably knows, the, the Growlers are unique in, in that they are a valuable electronic warfare capability, um, particularly useful in this current conflict to update the electronic order of battle of all of the Russian assets operating in that region. Um, other U.S. and NATO assets have also been deployed to Romania, Bulgaria, Poland, the Baltic states, um, both before and after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, and it won't surprise anybody to, that there's probably more U.S. forces deployments uh, coming in the next few days and weeks. Uh, during a press uh, briefing on March 29th, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said that Washington is moving or repositioning these additional forces in the region as part of the U.S. response to the to the current crisis. Um, so uh, these aircraft and these Marines were taking part in exercise cold response. Um, I'm sure they were looking forward to coming back home after this exercise, uh, but they will remain uh, forward deployed to Lithuania. Um, the aircraft themselves are actually going to an undisclosed location in Eastern Europe. Um, the Growlers are are unique in their capability, um, you know, to to both collect information and and do an electronic attack, which is essentially jamming of of. Uh, foreign forces and communications and electronic signals and things like that. But yeah, you know, this is part of the business as you, you know, you sign up and and you know that everything is always flexible and no matter, <clears throat> at least we in, in, in the air force special operations community, no matter if, if you were going out for a week long trip or a four week long trip, you generally packed for at least a month, uh, no matter no matter where you went or, or how long it was expected to be, because you knew that that such uh, high demand, uh, low density assets like like growlers and ospreys and and ISR aircraft, um, they could easily be repositioned, especially if they're already halfway there. They, they you know you always sort of expected to to not come home, and that was just part of the business. But I'm sure these Marines are all you know. 100% willing to to go out there and and uh, wow you know, keep the security of Europe. My goodness. Now should we squeeze this last story in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Go on, Armando. Yeah, so this yeah. uh no, that's all right. I can take it. This, this yeah. is a uh, Matt Ad, Ad, do you have the video for this? I do. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Ready? Uh you can go ahead and play it as we're play, as we're talking about it. This this came out from medicalpress.com. Uh, the Argentinian Air Force T4, uh, which is a Boeing 737-500, um, it's a presidential it's aircraft. A they were Boeing. landing. Yeah, they were landing at Buenos Aires's uh, Aeroparque in an in an an unorthodox way that went viral <laughs> on Tuesday on YouTube. Um, the aircraft, like I said, is part of the presidential fleet. The control tower operators recorded the incident on their mobile phones and then uploaded it after noticing that the maneuver was anything but normal. Um, it was definitely not within the standard approach procedures for a commercial airport. Um, yeah, the <laughs> controller has some choice words that if you speak Spanish, well, you can earmuff. Um, but uh, the government explained, the government of Argentina explained that the maneuvers were being carried out as part of a special Air Force training program um, and that Aero uh, Parque's uh, control tower had actually green lighted this event. 
Um, there's some cool in cockpit video there uh, from on the right side of your screen, or you can go on YouTube if you're listening to the audio uh, podcast. The the uh, in flight footage, you can hear the <laughs> the aircraft is definitely <laughs> saying you know bank angle, bank, bank angle, angle, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and Glide slope, glide slope, it's all these things. It's not happy. That's, I yeah. think, the way to say it. I, I will say, uh, John John actually put a footnote when he put the story in there, and it was uh, he was kind of wondering, is this a bit of a nothing burger? Um, and, and sure enough, uh, military pilots are, are very capable of of executing <laughs> this kind of maneuver. But, that but is a you know what? You would be surprised. Some of these big airplanes, um, I think the, the, most, the more famous ones are, are the A350 demo, at uh, Farnborough, you know, anytime we go out to Farnborough and, and Riyadh, we see some of these big airplanes and some pretty amazing things. They're not delicate. Um, things, aircraft like 737s and, and A350s and A330s, they are, uh, they are certainly not, you know, they're not delicate little flowers. These are, these are, are, are tough aircraft that have been put through the paces in their engineering and they're more than capable of doing of conducting military maneuvers oh, yeah. or non-standard uh, maneuvers like you know like this approach in, into this airport. But as long as the pilots are in control of the aircraft and they're trained to do so, it's uh, absolutely within the capabilities of the airplane. Plus, uh, plus the Dash Five Hundred is a tiny, yeah. tiny version <laughs> of the Seven Three. Yeah, Australia. Those videos when they do that air show every year of the C Seventeens going through Sydney. Like, mm. oh man, that's just like one of the coolest things in the world, right? Indeed, indeed. Okay, we're going to have to sort of start wrapping up. We've got a couple of, uh, we've got uh, a little bit of listener feedback uh, that I would just want to share with everybody, if that's okay. Uh, so Nev isn't here, bless him, as I'm sure you realise. Uh, but uh, just as the show started today, uh, we received a message from Logan uh, Logan Lynch, and uh, the message says. Hey, P- hey, PT UK, Logan from the land of North Dakota. I forgot to send this one from our meetup with Mr. Bounds last week in Edinburgh. We had a lovely dinner and some great chats about all that is aviation. I'm just really upset that Nev didn't bring the fuzzy microphone with him. There we go. <laughs> and actually, we mentioned that we're mentioning uh, Nev there. Uh, we while we have been on it, we've had a couple of amazing videos. So Nev's in Dundee at the moment, uh, as we were saying. And uh, I mean, uh, how's this for a bit of a sunset look? I mean, how beautiful is that? Sounds like he's on a train. Well, I was going to say that looks ex- exactly like what hover mode in the Osprey looks like when you're 50 oh, feet above the water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, only, like, oh, man, I'm- only more disturbance <laughs> on the water, I would imagine, if you like. So, A little bit. <laughs> absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so he's uh, uh, living living his best life in uh, in Dundee, I think, there. So hopefully Nev will be back next week. But, uh, I mean, Scotland is, in general, is just such a beautiful part of the world, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, especially when like that when the skies are clear. And, I know. Oh my gosh, I know. As I say, sort of four seasons in one day. Right, uh, Carlos, you better wrap up pretty quick. Yep. So, uh, social media links: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Search for Social Media Plane Talking UK. Just look for us on there. Uh, don't forget that WhatsApp number if you want to put your picture on the green screen behind me or Matt here in the studios. Uh, plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six is that number. If you want to email the show, we'd love to hear you feedback. If you want to send us some audio feedback or any kind of feedback, uh, our podcast at plane talking is that email address. 
and the website all the w's.plaintalkinguk.com is our website on there you'll find the links to patreon if you want to become a patreon subscriber of the show and help help to uh, fund the show and help us to produce what we do each week also you can become a, a paypal donator on there as well the links are on there uh, there's also a link to the shop if you want to get yourself a ptuk t-shirt or a mug which a lot of people have done uh, that link is on there and also that shopping link for amazon if you do your shopping on amazon click on that link use the link and it will get a small referral fee for us it doesn't cost you a penny uh, but it also helps when you're buying cat food like i will be tomorrow morning <laughs> and uh and that's well and that's about it really that is yeah. really all we have time for on the show this week big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the youtube chat room this evening big thanks to all you guys and girls in there all the family members and everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast thank you to you all as well you are all legends so that is all we have got time for this week on the show episode 405 don't forget to join us back next friday on the show where hopefully we'll have a full team uh, back (laughs) in full effect on the show for you uh, next friday so that's it then guys and girls from me carlos here in my home studio from matt in the ptuk master suite studio from armando in his being packed away quite heavily <laughs> studio and a big thanks as well not forgetting john our awesome producer who's done all the work in the background uh, before the show take care everyone have a great weekend and see you next week goodbye everyone Thank you.